welcome to the Madden America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry and social justice. Hello, this is James and welcome to the Madden America podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to thank everyone for taking the time to listen in and also to ask that if you like the podcast, please consider leaving us a review in iTunes as it really helps to get more listeners. Thank you. Okay, this week Madden America's associate news editor Bernalyn Ruiz interviews Dr. Joseph Firth, who speaks to us about his research work at Western Sydney University. Welcome to the Madden America podcast. I'm Bernalyn Ruiz, and I'm a doctoral student in psychology and an associate news editor for the MIA Science in the News section. For those who haven't checked that part of the website before, we provide daily coverage of the latest mental health research that challenges the predominant biomedical paradigm in psychiatry and psychology. So today I'm fortunate enough to be interviewing Joseph Firth, postdoc research fellow at Western Sydney University. Um, So thank you, Joseph, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Great. Um, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what brought you to the field of psychology? Okay, sure. Um, So with psychology, I just, I originally did my undergraduate degree in psychology at the University of Sheffield in the UK. And then after completing the degree, I worked with young offenders for a little while, young ex-offenders, particularly ones with mental illness, as a well-being worker. So then I took an interest in the clinical side of psychology from that and then saw a PhD opportunity at the University of Manchester looking at about how exercise could be used to treat young people with psychosis and that's always been a very big interest for me both physical exercise and um, the treatment of psychosis so and then I and then I got involved in psychiatric research at the University of Manchester so that's what brought me to um, where I am. Awesome so can you describe a bit about the research that you're focusing on now for those who may not be familiar with your work? Okay, yeah, right now. So right now I'm focusing on a whole sort of program of adjunctive uh, and novel treatments for young people with psychosis, still carrying on with the exercise research, looking at how, about how physical exercise could be beneficial for people with this condition and also how it can actually be implemented realistically in clinical services. That's a very important point. And then also sort of like building on more recently, I've taken a very big interest in nutrition and in the role of how what, what we eat and also mm. how we could use potentially nutritional supplements in the treatment of psychosis. And then separately to all those things, I'm also very, very interested in the potential of technology. We're not quite there yet, but as technology continues to improve, I, I believe that technology might provide some new answers as well for the treatment of psychosis. So I'm interested in th- those three main fields mm. really all quite novel um, sort of like add-on therapies for psychosis from exercise, nutrition, and technology and mobile health. Yeah, definitely, definitely very novel, especially for us over in the U.S. What have you seen so far as far as those treatment approaches for psychosis or what what do you think the evidence has tells us about that right now? Well, my research in exercise is pretty, um, you know, pretty well out there now and all the results have been published and stuff like that showing that Exercise can reduce psychiatric symptoms in young people with psychosis, uh, that it can improve cognitive functioning, that it can help with negative symptoms, which is like the aim motivation and the social withdrawal that we see in a lot of young people. And that's, this is important because this aspect of the illness, um, the negative symptoms and also the cognitive deficits, are parts which the medications don't really touch. They don't really do very mm-hmm. well for at all, even, you know, even... Um, high doses mm-hmm. of very powerful antipsychotic medications that mm-hmm. can resolve uh, the 
psychotic symptoms pretty quickly. Don't do very much at all for cognitive deficits and, and don't really do much at all for negative symptoms. So finding new treatments like exercise that actually do work mm-hmm. uh, is, is very important for improving outcomes in young people, particularly this is probably when it's most effective. And then with the nutrition, only started looking at that more recently. So we've done a meta-analysis showing that beaver, we looked at all different types of vitamin supplements and everything like that. And uh, n- not that many were really very effective, but B vitamin, high dose B vitamin supplementation could also be effective for um, mm-hmm. schizophrenia. And this has never been examined in the early stages of psychosis, even though this is potentially when it could be most beneficial. So looking at how we can use nutritional supplements such as B vitamins and, and other amino acids in the early stages when people mm-hmm. might be more responsive to these types of treatments and, and more likely to be able to prevent an enduring course of illness is, is quite an exciting area as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially, I guess, if you were to sort of think about the benefits of using these approaches, I could see how this approach just seems novel. Well, yeah, just to clarify, all my research so far has been about using exercise and using nutrition in people who are already receiving mm-hmm. uh, medications because as as much as you know, um, antipsychotics in meta-analyses and stuff like that have been shown to be effective for reducing um, psychotic symptoms. This, it, 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 a lot of young people, even when they are medicated, still continue to experience quite a lot of symptoms. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, we can look clinically that the medication might have been effective in terms of significantly reducing, but there's still a lot of symptoms that people experience and people also struggle to get on with day-to-day life. There's a lot of functional problems and stuff like that. So so a lot of my research is not really trying to, right now, it's not it's not really trying to replace the use of right. antipsychotic right. medications, um, but, but maybe find new ways for, for people who don't want to take antipsychotic medications, maybe it could perhaps replace it if they're going to refuse them anyway. Mm-hmm. But then also for people who are complicit with medication um, and are not getting better, mm-hmm. there's there's got to be there's got to be other ways, you know, to help people recover without a doubt. So that's a lot of it. And then also, as as we were saying earlier, before we started the podcast, um, in particular, the very early stages of illness, such as before people have experienced the first episode of psychosis in the ultra high risk stages. I'm not sure what it's like in America, mm-hmm. but um, over here, that that's not really antipsychotics are not a first line treatment there, really, um, unless people are experiencing very you know a serious degree of symptoms looking like they're about to transition to a full-blown psychotic episode anytime soon um i don't i don't believe they use as a as a frontline treatment so but there's still very few ways other than therapy that we've got to help people recover so it could also be used to uh maybe perhaps prevent the need ever for antipsychotic medications in in young people who before they've had um any severe psychosis and um or then in people who are taking medications and not getting better to supplement it um yeah so that's really what all my research so far has been focusing on whether in the future you know if we develop really high efficacy exercise based and high efficacy nutritional based treatments for psychosis if you could combine them and then compare to antipsychotic treatment in in young people after the first episode that would be very interesting you know potentially maybe we will find a way to actually replace antipsychotic treatments. I know in Manchester, where I did my PhD, I'm based in Sydney now, but Manchester, where I did my PhD, they're doing trials comparing CBT to antipsychotic treatment. And um, I'm not sure if they've published the results yet, but they're they're hoping that the CBT will have similar efficacy to antipsychotic treatment and then perhaps uh, present another option for young people undergoing treatment for the first time and don't want to suffer with all the side effects and everything else of antipsychotic treatment. So, you know, 
uh, right now, I, I definitely can't say my research has shown exercise or nutrition is is better than antipsychotic mm-hmm. medications because we've never compared it, and that's not mm-hmm. what we're trying to do right now. We're mm-hmm. just trying to find new ways to help people recover fully, right. and then perhaps in the future we can look at those, um, like, does it work instead of? Yeah, so I was also looking at, I think in 2016, you published an article on a, a qualitative study titled The Effects and Determinants of Exercise Participation in First Episode Psychosis, where you published a quali- uh, results of your qualitative study um, on this intervention. And I think personally, in understanding and giving voice to lived experience is really important. Um, so I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that work and maybe some of the results that you found. Sure. So um, same as you, really. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the qualitative work. It's very difficult to get it taken seriously by anyone in health policy or anything like that for obvious reasons because you know it could potentially be influenced by by bias but by conducting those type of works and publishing the results in as rigorous way as possible um, you can really get new insights into the way that these treatments might help people you know with an exercise trial or with a nutritional supplementation trial or a diet trial you can see how much it helps and for what but it's very, very, very difficult to understand how it actually helps people. But then by conducting qualitative work, you know, we had these young people saying, oh, when I'm exercising, like say very vigorously, I might usually be hearing voices uh, 24 hours a day. But when I'm exercising hard for, for a while, because I'm so focused on the training, I'm either not hearing the voices or just don't really notice them and they don't really bother me and stuff like that. So you get an insight into actually so like the psychological mechanisms by which things like exercise might be able to help people. And we did, we learned a lot actually. And we learned a lot about how we could potentially translate our trial results into clinical practice as well in terms of making it about the community. You know, a lot of people value that aspect because exercise motivation is difficult, even for me and you. And then for mm-hmm. young people experiencing psychosis, it can be even more, you know, they've got mm-hmm. a lot on the plate really. So mm-hmm. it can be very difficult for them to really engage in exercise programs. But we found that, community can be quite a good motivating factor pairing people up with training partners and this is all stuff that we're trying to really make happen in in the real world now you know as Mm -hmm. a a real treatment strategy so we even from just that little qualitative study we've learned a lot that's influenced all our future actions yeah definitely it's been very very valuable i hope other people have benefited from it too before we move on to sort of the last question i was wondering if there was anything that you wanted to cover that you wanted to touch upon yeah so I guess um how did you come to your current research project that you're originally conducting can you describe that a little bit yep so in Sydney here we're now conducting uh the I believe the first ever uh like multi-nutrient targeted intervention for first episode psychosis and this is going to be young people who are undergoing antipsychotic treatment for the first time and we've developed like a, a very novel um and very sort of different nutritional supplement that combines ingredients shown to be effective for people with long-term schizophrenia in terms of slightly reducing symptoms. We've had a lot of data from lots of different trials showing that this, you know, folate might reduce symptoms or B6 might reduce symptoms. And basically going to bring all them together along with some other human trials from um, Origin, which is a, a massive Australian research institute for youth mental health showing that things, amino acids like taurine can be effective for young people in first episode psychosis. And we're building this into sort of like a multi-nutrient supplement that we're then going to um, test to see if it can. We're going to te- just run it as a pilot study, first mm-hmm. of all, um, randomized to either placebo or to the um, 
intervention condition and we're just going to test if what aspects you know of physical health is very very important mm-hmm. in first episode of psychosis if it can improve people's metabolic health and then also if it can improve their mental health if it can reduce the symptoms improve their feelings of well-being so a whole host of outcomes to get an idea of where this very large scale well sort of very um large broadly treating nutritional therapy mm-hmm. might be beneficial for young people in the early stages of psychosis and it's it's different um to others because nutritional supplements in psychiatry i think have been given a bad rep by largely by um bad study design or low dose nutrients or non-targeted approaches or expecting animal research to generalize to human samples mm-hmm. um you know they get they get very enthusiastic when they see that certain vitamin or something works in rats and then mm-hmm. very surprised when it doesn't work in young people with psychosis. Um, but th- th- this one is different in terms of that. It's been designed entirely on the basis of human trials and also human studies looking at which vitamin deficiencies actually relate to clinical outcomes in young, young people with psychosis. Quite a lot of research showing that, you know, low levels of um, folate or low levels of vitamin D might contribute towards the cognitive dysfunction. Mm-hmm. In schizophrenia so we're, we're trying to like patch up all the holes in terms of resolving all the nutritional def- deficiencies and then also adding in a whole bunch of nutrients that might have benefits even beyond that to see if if like in synergy at quite high a high dose but a very safe dose of safe nutrients that you can basically take any amount of without drowning mm-hmm. yourself in it and it won't do you any harm um uh, over a 12-week period to see if it can actually improve outcomes and I, I think it will you know given that I, I, I can't say how it'll fail really given mm-hmm. the data for the individual in, in, ingredients so it could be quite an exciting time yeah. um, and the results from this could lead to a very large scale trial and mm-hmm. that, that in, in in turn if that works at a very large scale could ultimately you know present a novel treatment option for young people with psychosis so we're all very excited about getting that up and running um, over the next few months and starting with the actual trial starting recruiting for the trial here in Sydney mm-hmm. and um yeah, so that's my main project at the moment, something I'm really passionate about and very interested in. Looking forward to sharing the results with everybody. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds super exciting and very interesting. Um, can't wait to see those results. Yeah, thank you. I was reading your feasibility study that you published in 2016 and connecting that to recently published articles on the widening mortality gap between individuals with schizophrenia and bipolar um, when compared to the general population. I noticed that one of your findings was around improvements in cardiovascular fitness and nutrition. And to me, that seemed like another potential benefit of your research. And I wondered if you could comment on that. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, the reason why exercise is so necessary, I don't think anybody really, right, 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 man, people could dispute whether exercise is going to be effective or whether diet is going to be effective for reducing symptoms in psychosis. You know, the, there's the, there's enough research really to suggest it will be, but the jury's still out and it always can be as long as people can dispute it. But I don't think any uh, right mind thinking individual would dispute that exercise and nutrition are going to be very mm-hmm. important, play absolute key roles in reducing the massive health inequalities that we see in people treated with antipsychotic medications. You know, as you mentioned about the uh, Joseph Hayes paper recently published from the UK data mm-hmm. in the British Journal, showing that the, the gap in mortality for people with schizophrenia, despite all our advances in treatment and everything like that, is actually increasing over time, you know, which is, is terrible, really, because it was bad enough already. And to mm-hmm. think that's getting worse is outrageous. So, we and lifestyle, as much as, you know, medication changes that also play a key role, lifestyle is absolutely key in um 
reducing the health inequalities. And if we can find ways to help people engage in exercise and have a healthy diet, you know, there's there's lots and lots of data to show that people who are taking antipsychotic medications are less likely to engage in physical activity um, and less likely to have a healthy diet. And this might even be a side effect of the medications themselves in terms of inducing sedentary behavior or mm-hmm. definitely for the nutrition side of things, boosting mm-hmm. food cravings for junk foods and mm-hmm. making people want to just eat and eat and eat. So exercise and improving people's fitness and physical activity levels and then also their um, their diet is incredibly important if we're ever serious about reducing the physical health inequalities, which is really a very important and very obvious thing for people taking antipsychotic medications, I think should be prescribed as standard just for that reason. You know, the, mm-hmm. the uh, mental health benefits are fascinating scientifically and also provide a stronger case for implementing these treatments but really when you when you're giving a young person you know who's say 18 19 years old uh, a medication that's going to cut the life expectancy by i think it's 20 years in the uk now for antipsychotic medications it's, it seems obvious that it should be mandatory to prescribe uh, a, a serious program of health and fitness for that person to try and not let them die 20 years sooner and in ways that actually engage patients as well you know it's all right just telling someone all right you're taking this medication now so suddenly you need to be like superman be really active mm-hmm. uh doing press-ups every morning or whatever that, that obviously won't work we need to provide it in services in a way which can actually help people be healthier and on the diet thing just one thing on the diet thing mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of lot of emphasis at the moment on reducing calorific intake in people with psychosis, a lot of the diet interventions so far has mostly focused on helping people, say, lose weight and stuff like that. Particularly, first of all, um, there's, there's a say an imbalance in the amount of research of exercise and diet in schizophrenia, looking at people with long-term conditions rather than the early stages, which is when we really need to intervene because it's much, much more effective to prevent metabolic syndrome prevent diabetes prevent obesity from arising than it is to try and resolve it so it's probably very difficult later on um but early stages is first of all where i'd like to see more of a focus in the physical health research mm-hmm. and then also secondly um and there, there is you know that's not just me saying that that I'm, I'm just copying the words of other people there crying out for this um we've been crying out for this a long time before i even read the first paper in this area um and there is so that that's coming around nicely and i think we'll get a lot more benefits from helping young people earlier on and then second of all with diet i think there's too much of an emphasis on making people lose weight by cutting down on what on what they're on what they're eating and that's very very important but also quite hard to do and we've neglected a very important area because there's two parts to a healthy diet there's what you are eating and then what you aren't eating and actually not consuming enough nutrients and enough vitamins and enough minerals that are essential for human metabolic health is probably impeding on these people's life expectancy too. You know, we see massive deficits in both the dietary intake of vitamins and minerals and the actual blood levels of vitamins and minerals in people with psychosis. So, And then other population scale studies show that these deficits, vitamins and mineral deficits, actually contribute to reduced life expectancy. So I think the role of actual proper nutrient intake is probably underrated in terms of, you know, we're just blaming it on obesity when really a big contributing factor might also be people's lack of essential nutrients in the diet as well. Yeah, excellent. You make really great points. Um, thank you so much for sharing. It's one thing to, you know, sit and read read the research and the papers, but it's really great to hear from passionate researchers describe their work and why they do what they do. So thank you so much for sharing that. 
All right, great. Thank you for having me on and listening to me witter away about all those things. <laughs> um, and then I wanted to ask just one last question before we wrap up. As you know, uh, a big goal of Mad, Mad in America is to have this social justice perspective and to think of mental health care as um, in a social justice framework. So I wanted to ask, what contribution does your work um, or what does your work contribute to social justice in the field of psychology? Okay, sure. Yeah, social justice is probably quite an Americanized term as well, perhaps. Um, <laughs> British researchers probably use something a lot more boring, such as reducing inequalities. Or <laughs> stuff like that. Right. So, but yeah, def definitely, as I was saying earlier, you know, um, there is huge inequalities for people with psychosis, not due to the clinician's fault whatsoever, but just due to the massive demand on clinical services for treating people. Uh, it just seems such a shame that any young people show up with all these problems and just be given antipsychotic medications alone just to patch up the symptoms for a, sh a short period of time until they relapse and then, you know, be destined for a, a lifetime of physical obesity and, you know, um, metabolic problems and everything like that. So um, in terms of social justice, let's look at ways that we can really enhance people's outcomes in uh young people with psychosis that's where that i'd say my research might contribute towards being a psychiatric superhero for social justice <laughs> really really just helping at, like level the playing field a little bit more for give, give people a bit of a, a chance to recover um, right. properly but yeah. uh, also all my research is even though it sounds quite novel it's very much derivative from the the real world leaders in this field you know i've been doing this stuff for a long time and i'm, I'm just sort of like trying to bring it together in different mm -hmm. ways or, or look at the data in different ways and stuff like that. So, yeah, really tr trying to make it happen in clinical practice as well. Right. Develop it in clinically translatable ways. That's what I'd say my right. research is doing, hopefully. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. No problem. Just thank you for showing an interest in my work and everything like that. That's very nice of you. Um, good luck with everything that you're trying to do. Well, I just want to take a moment to thank both Dr. Firth and Bernalyn for that interesting and informative discussion. Madden America News and Updates. In upcoming events, November 17th to the 19th sees the 16th annual meeting of the International Society for Psychological and Social Approaches to Psychosis. The meeting will be held at the University Palace Hotel in Portland, Oregon, and the focus of the event is Psychosis in Context, exploring intersections in diverse identities and extreme states. November 20th is the deadline for submitting comments to the US Food and Drug Administration on drug risk information in broadcast advertisements. The FDA is establishing a public docket to assist with its development of recommendations regarding the communication of risk information in direct-to-customer broadcast advertisements for prescription drugs. Comments can be submitted electronically or in written form. For more information, use the link provided on the Madden America homepage. On November 22nd, the 56th Maudsley Debate is being held at the Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience, King's College, London. This debate focuses on the Mental Health Act. Specifically, this House believes that fundamental reform of the Mental Health Act is required to reduce discrimination and unnecessary detention. Entrance is free and the debate is being held from 5.30pm to 8.30pm. November 26th to the 29th sees the Disability Matters Conference Making the Convention Real, which takes place in Dunedin, New Zealand. The conference offers a forum for discussion of disability matters with a particular focus on the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Registration is open now. 
For more information on these events, plus blogs, news items, in-depth reports and more, visit maddenamerica.com. So, thank you for listening, please come back next week for another episode, and until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to the Madden America podcast. Visit maddenamerica.com for more news, views and updates. 